We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash hack it out. Just go to Indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right, welcome back to the Hack It Out Golf Podcast. Myself, Mark Crossfield, Blue Stagner, Greg Chalmers is still with us as guest presenter. We have a special guest this evening. We have a PGA Tour caddy, a professional golf caddy. Been caddying for years, I think. We'll ask him how long. Um, and I've got a list of names in front of me. People he has caddied for. Not only is it long, one happens to be Greg as well. So we should have some fun, interesting questions and answers today from Heath. I'm looking forward to any embarrassing Greg stories, but I'm sure we'll get to them as the pod goes on. Should be a fun episode. Welcome, Heath. Thank you for joining us. We have Heath Holt joining us. Welcome and thanks for your time, Heath. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. No, no, it's a pleasure. I can't wait to um, chat to you and um, learn a little bit about um, caddying life. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a fun one. How, how are you, Lou and Greg? You guys all right? Doing good. Doing good. How about, how about you? Yes, all good. Fabulous. And Greg, you, you, uh, Greg seems a bit nervous tonight. I'm not sure if anything's... <laughs> I'm always nervous. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Anybody who absolutely. knows me well comes on the show, I'm always nervous. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, after the USGA pod, you've definitely changed a little bit on the nerve side. Of that, <laughs> yes, again, it should be a one tonight. Um, so, he first question for you: How did it start? Like, how long have you been caddying for, and how did it all begin? Well, <clears throat> I actually started uh, caddying when I was in college. I went to school at Missouri Southern State University in Joplin, Missouri. And at the time, there was some Nike tour events. That's how long ago this was uh, in the mid 90s, 95, 96. A good friend of mine named Kevin Walker, he knew a player who played at Oklahoma State, but was also that that graduated up to the Nike tour. And Kevin had been working for him in his summers through high school. So we had Nike tour uh, events near my hometown or near the town near Joplin up in Springfield, Missouri, up in St. Louis, Missouri and Wichita. So Kevin and I would uh, jump in a car and drive over to Springfield to get to know some of these players and actually get to caddy. Cause you know, every college player is going to be a PGA tour player. It's just a matter of time. So we always <laughs> thought that, Hey, you know, we might as well figure out what this is all about. And since back then that was basically the future uh, of the PGA tour, a lot of younger players, we thought, man, what a great opportunity to get to know some of these players and, um, Never thought of it would turn into a career. You know, I graduated from college and I had 
jobs lined up. It just kind of turned out that way that uh, I met Skip Kendall in Wichita, Kansas in 1996 and uh, worked one week for him. He ended up graduating off of that tour onto the PJ Tour for, I think, the third time. And he asked me if I would like to just start with him on the PJ Tour in 97. And it worked out uh, that I ended up working for Skip for nine seasons right out of the gate. So that's how I got my start. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the Nike Tour was one below PGA Tour, was it? Or was it a feeder to the PGA Tour back then as well? Did people it, it was. From Nike to PGA? Well, the, at first it was the Hogan Tour, and then it turned into right. the Nike Tour. And yes, back then it was only the top 10 received their tour cards because they still had regular Q school back then. So uh, it, it fed into the PGA Tour, the top 10 money earners or they actually had the Nike tour championship, those top 10 finishers ended up getting their tour cards for the next year. Heath, oh, Heath, wow. what, okay. Heath, what did you love about it out of the gate, mate? Like what, like you ended up doing it out of the gate for nine years. Like you must've fallen in love with parts of it. Um, what did you love about the lifestyle and everything like that? Honestly, I liked the travel. I liked being in a, uh, in a new city every week, um, a new golf course. I liked meeting the players and I like the opportunity to uh, get get that feeling of being near the lead or on, being under the gun. If, if you can't be a player yourself, I've always equated caddy into being like a bat boy in the major leagues. You're kind of standing right next to them. You kind of get excited for them and you get nervous yourself. But it's just really cool to be part of a game that, you know, we all dreamed about being a part of at a young age. Did you yeah, yeah. did you Rick, did you make a like reach a point where you're like, oh, this is definitely it. This is what I want to do all the time. Or did you always yeah. think oh, maybe I'll jump out of this at some point? Well, it's, 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 you know, I did jump out later on after the nine years I spent with Skip Kendall, I took a three-year break and tried the real world and the real <laughs> world just didn't Don't quite like that. me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I work for a, a food company and I work for actually a financial firm. And uh, my timing on that wasn't the greatest. That was 2008, 2007 and eight. So uh, a lot of my friends say I'm the reason why the last market crash happened. I melted the whole thing down by being a part of it. So to answer your question, uh, I never really had time to think about it. I started a family. And uh, when Skip was rolling for those years, it's just like, hey, this is a pretty easy way to go go through life. Um, things were going good and we were having success. So I just thought I'd ride it until it ended. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, and some of the names of the people, who have you caddied for? So Skip Kendall, I've got some names on here. What, who are some of the names that you've caddied for over the years? Well, started with Skip, took that little break. And when I came back, I actually worked for Peter Lonard for about nine events. I worked for uh, Brian Bateman for a few. And then I started a longer term, relationship with a guy uh not a relationship but you know a working relationship yeah. <laughs> with yeah, yeah, um, yeah. with john rollins um i started with him right. in 09 and worked worked five seasons for him and then he unfortunately lost his card and didn't get it back to q school which that point was the it was called the nationwide tour we had to go back down and try to earn it back through those four tournaments so then I kind of bounced around. I worked for Jonathan Bird. I worked for Chris Stroud. Gosh, I was telling Greg earlier, um, at one, one year, about three years ago, I received 
um, tax information from 10 separate players. I worked for 10 separate pr- players in one year. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, and that ranged from the Nike tour, uh, the champions tour and to the PGA tour. But most of my work has been on the PGA tour for the last 22 years. And when you, when yeah. you've been out there that long, Heath, wouldn't you say there's a few guys that, if they don't have a full-time gig, they can piecemeal a full season together with a handful of different players. That's right. You know, um, the, the best thing you can do as a caddy is to do your job, show up, keep up and shut up. We all know those ones, but also you try not to burn any bridges. You know, a lot of times people can take being let go or having something like in our instance, when you ended up getting hurt and you couldn't play anymore just because you need to take time off. I never really let that bother me. I always wish you the best. And I know that you wish me the best. So who knows, maybe you'd come back and maybe I get another shot and it actually worked out that way. So yes, there are a few guys that can piecemeal it together. It puts a lot of stress on you because there's a lot of uncertainty and you better have a little money saved up because you never know when you're going to get that call. But um, it can happen. And there are a few guys in that situation. It's not ideal. Obviously we would all love to be working for, you know, a top 30 player in the world and um, everything is just roses every day you turn up, but that's not how it goes sometimes in life. Right. Yeah. So, Cause I think a lot of people, a lot of people listening wouldn't understand that, you know, the days of what we would call roasting on the spit, which is basically sitting in the car park and, and mm-hmm. accosting players as they arrive to see if they've got a bag. Um, those days have kind of moved on now. Now it's all done, you know, through connections and over the phone and you know, someone right Heath, you'd imagine, I'd imagine absolutely. that's how it works. Yeah, and especially and and in recent times, uh, this COVID protocol has kind of put an end to being able to show up at all. You know, most people at these tournaments have to be tested, and you're not even allowed to be there unless you pre-registered and they know. So unless you happen to live in a town where somebody, you know, have possibly test positive or some unforeseen event happens, you're you're not going to get invited. So you're definitely right, Greg. Hanging around in parking lots is probably um, a thing of the past, unfortunately. Right. I remember yeah. those days um, back. Uh, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, and the Nike Tour had an event there for a I've while. Been there. I've yeah. Been there. yeah, yeah. So in like '95-ish, '96-ish, around there, yeah. I, it, it was at a place I think called I think it was at Briarwood at that point, and then they had it at Peak and Peak after that. And I remember the Briarwood one, there was an ad in the newspaper and they were asking for volunteers for the event, but they were also asking for volunteers to caddy. And I remember going there and hanging out and just hanging out on the range. And there were players trying to find anyone with a heartbeat that would, that would be there to carry their bag. And uh, it, it sounds like it's extremely different than that now, even on, you know, the, uh, the, the level below PGA Tour. It just doesn't happen that way anymore. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, Greg could probably talk to that of the quality of caddy that he's had from the days when he first came over, or even on the European tour. He would know that a lot of the player, a lot of the caddies out there now are older player or um, used to be players, had tour cards or Nike tour cards or buy.com cards or corn Ferry cards. 
Um, some guys even played on champ in champions tour events. So Greg would know all about that. Yeah. It's a, yeah. it's one of those things that professionalism has, has evolved. Uh, you know, it started out, there's a lot of guys who, you know, possibly enjoyed, um, enjoyed themselves a little, I'd say, in their off time, uh, <laughs> way back in the nineties. But now, now if, um, if you show up hungover, you're going to get a stern, stern talking to, I'd imagine, um, here or there, depending on how often you do it. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely the professionalism in that in, in your world, Heath, has certainly evolved in the last 15 to 20 years because there's so much money. Um, yeah. And there's, you know, you can make quite a nice living working 30 weeks a year if you, if you get a good horse, you know. I wanted to know, Heath, how much did you adjust to what the play is like? Because the way you caddy for me, I would imagine, is different the way you caddy for, say, Vaughn Taylor or John Rollins or Skip Kendall. What little adjustments do you have to make as a caddy in your personality and how you do things? Well, the first thing I always like to do is just have that really good, you know, informative conversation with the player and just basically ask, what do you want me to do? You know, and I, I think that um, and you were obviously one of the best at saying this is your role. This is what I would like. If you're doing something I don't like, I will let you know. And please don't do it again. You right. know, so it was it was very easy to know what the ground rules. A lot of guys kind of they leave it up to you to sort of figure it out. And it actually um, I think wastes a lot of time. I much prefer the way our relationship started, which was, hey, this is what I want from you. This is what I'm going to need you. I'll inform you. You know, let's just go out and do your thing. And that was that. That's awesome. The, the difficult part comes when you're just kind of expected because of a reputation. And that yeah, could be, yeah. hey, do you read greens? Or, you know, most players, to be perfectly honest, what they really want is somebody who can do the numbers. Although these younger guys seem to like to do the numbers a lot. Um, I can tell you when I work for Greg, I don't even know if he rare, he rarely carried a yardage book because I think he trusted me in doing the numbers. But when yeah. you get brought in is you're really, you're part of the team and figuring out the wind because that's one of the real uncertainties with players and caddies is figuring out that wind. Um, everything else is pretty much known the numbers, if it's uphill or downhill, but, the wind and the firmness of the greens, green by green, can be pretty tricky. So I think to answer your question on what do I do different from one player to the next, it, it really depends on the player and how much they want you involved. It's all player driven. Yeah. So how good are, I mean, obviously Greg sounded like he was quite good at being direct and making that really clear. Like how bad are some of them? Do they not, do they just not articulate it? And then at the end of the round, it's like, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. I mean, how, how, how different are the players when it comes to telling you, like some just literally telling you nothing and you're just thinking, uh, do I tell him the yardage? Do, do, <laughs> can he see, well, can he see that comes from the right, that part? Like what, like yeah, I think the main difference is, is um, if you get asked a direct question, you know, a lot of guys will want you to be involved in their game. And that they'll actually want you to pick a club or they might be in a situation where they're mentally spent and they need somebody to sort of take over for maybe just a shot or something. Okay. So you, as a caddy, you can never really let your guard down. It, after you do it for so long, you can kind of joke around, but you're always thinking of the next shot and what may the player may or may not say or, or what they might ask you for. So um, at some, sometimes you also work for a, a guy for the week. It might just be a one-off week, and you know that this certain player might have a reputation or roughing caddies up. 
So you have to be pretty tough skinned at some point yeah, and yeah. you know, you're going to get called out. And I've had a few of those instances. I probably won't name names on this podcast, but yeah, yeah. where, where, you know, the, the lash was going to come that you were in a no win situation. And yeah, a lot of times, on, yeah, on top yeah. of that too, it usually happens when the conditions get really extreme. Like for instance, we just went to Bermuda and the wind was blowing 40 miles an hour, Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. sustained wind. So, Guys' nerves can they, – they get unnerved in situations like that, and they have a hard time trusting. So I, I can't really say that um, I work for people that have really been mean or gone out of their way to, you know, embarrass me. But there's been a few times when you're just like, wow, I don't know if that guy would talk to me if he knew that I could knock his teeth out. You know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, Greg and I have actually talked about it, but it would be amazing if uh, – we all made the yeah. same amount of money, but you would say to somebody versus that. <laughs> exactly right. I think, yeah. I, think, I think sometimes too, I think some players used caddies as like a, a way to protect their confidence. So, you know, yeah. they'll blame a caddy for something. So it's not their Self fault. Self-preservation. So, yes. I think there's some of that. And at the end of the day, if they're smart and they, they you know, they might just say, hey, I know that was my fault. But during the round, they might just blame their caddy for, you know, a bunch of silly stuff. There, there's, uh, there's plenty of different ways to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, deal with it. Um, you talked about um relationships, as in your working relationship that you've built up with um different players, and I can see the list of players. You know, it's a long list of players, but relationships not only start, but they end as well. But who who ends the relationship? So is it? I mean, obviously, there's people fall off the tour. You don't follow them. You then look for the next bag in theory. Are there some people, and again, I don't need you to name names. You just thought, like you say to them, this isn't going to work. I don't think we really work. And I've got an offer over there. Shall I go? Mm -hmm. like, how do these relationships end? Bearing in mind, we accept the people who fall off. Like, are you ending them? Are they ending them? How, how are they fizzling out? Well, I've caddied long enough to where it's been both ways. Yeah, um, and, imagine, and yeah. as a caddy, I don't think you ever want to get in a situation where you're bragging about letting players go. And I honestly don't think players want to be known as a player who's a caddy crusher either, yeah. because then you're the pool of guys that are out there for you, you isn't small, very big. Yeah. That's right. So I've experienced it where um, I've been let go. Um, a lot of times it's for good reasons or, you know, I hate to say this, but luck is part of the game and yeah, right time, right place is a big deal. And sometimes it's just not working out. Sometimes there's a, maybe a better opportunity for you. And sometimes there's a better opportunity for the player. Um, but in my situations, um, every time I've let a guy that, that I said, Hey, I think it's time for me to move on. I'm honestly doing it for the player's own benefit because I don't usually give up on anything very easily or quickly. And if, if, if I let it run its course, say, give it three months, you know, give it 10, 12 tournaments. If there isn't a spark there or something as it happened, to be honest, it's doing neither of us any good. Yeah. So I've always looked at it as it more, it's a business thing. Um, of course I've become good friends with Greg and I've become good friends with a lot of the people that I've worked for, but it's at the end of the day, it's a results business. And if you're not getting results, sometimes it's, you got to make a move. I don't know if Greg yeah. can share about letting caddies yeah, no, go. I've, or... I've done that. I've I've had caddies that have, there's nothing wrong with the caddy at all. They really are wonderful people. They're good at their job. You just need to change the energy that's around you. Hey, we just missed yeah. 10 cuts in a row, dude. I'm sorry. I'm sick of looking at you. And it's not yeah, his yeah. fault. It's just, it's like, I just got to change. And that one change can be like, oh, now, 
we're, we're not losing together. We've got one person who's new to the team who's who's got no history at all. You know, it's like changing putters sometimes. You know, you just do it yeah, you for, just for the sake the of it. A bit, aren't you? Yeah, 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 basically. And it's a shame um, yeah. that, you know, that someone cops the brunt of that. I would say, too, I was always of the idea that, you know what, if, the, if a good player, like a top 10 or top 50 player in the world, and that's an opportunity where you can make a lot of money, they call you and, you know, it's, I'd be first in line to shake your hand. Because the last thing I want is someone coming to work, not not wanting to be there, wanting to work for someone else. Yeah, um, yeah. And he's got to look after his family, you know. And if you've got someone in the majors and the World Golf Championships and they come knocking, you better run to them, I reckon, unless uh, unless you're crazy. But uh, Yeah, yeah. It's almost like being an actor, isn't it, uh, Heath? It's like you're having all this. you just got to be prepared for people to say no. I mean, you speak to actors and what have you. They're just like, it's 95% rejection in their job, uh, even from the top stars, the amount of roles they don't get compared to the ones we see them in the movies. It's kind of, you've got to be emotionally a little bit like that, it feels like, isn't it? Yeah, you, there is like that tryout period and, and uh, Greg can probably speak to this too. Whenever you get that new person around, like he said, the energy changes and you kind of have a little honeymoon period right. and you might yeah. make a mistake or two or the player might make a mistake or two. And you just have a little bit more patience with each other and you can kind of work through some of those issues, you know, that normally you would be maybe walking on eggshells as, as a tryout. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of instances, especially, I mean, there's one rule. If you're going to caddy as a career, there's one thing that you have to have in the back of your head is that eventually you are going to get fired. Um, yeah. <laughs> there might be a few people that have survived that, but the vast majority of caddies that you see on TV week in, week out, regardless of the tour you're watching, their caddies have been fired. So yeah. um, it, it's part of like life. It's part of growing up and maturing. And if, the, if this is what you want to make your profession, you just have to be able to handle that and move on. And a lot, there's a lot of stories of guys going back and reuniting with the player that they've had a lot of success with after a break. That's happened numerous times. So as, as caddies, most of them are pretty good about not burning bridges because you never know when you're going to get a phone call back, or if you burn a bridge with a certain player, maybe you also burn that bridge with that agent or that person's wife or something. Oh, and it, yeah, it holds yeah. you back because they right. can, they, they talk amongst themselves pretty good. The PGA yeah. tour is a high school with no walls, right, Greg? Mm, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'd tell you, I'd love to know, and Lou, you, this would be a stat you'll never be able to find out, but it's uncanny. The amount of times a caddy, a full-time caddy will take the week off for whatever reason, and someone yep. will fill in and the player will win. It's yeah. unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's the unwritten rule, isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's unbelievable. It never happened to me. I, I plenty of times <laughs> I'd be like, hey, take a week off. New guy comes in, nothing. Missed didn't, didn't squeaky. <laughs> was, didn't, was it squeaky who caddied for John Daly when he won his major? And that was only because Nick Price pulled out or couldn't play for whatever reason. Isn't He's that like 13th alternate. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, right. That's yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That's yeah. a caddy nightmare scenario. Why do you have to bring that up, Greg? Right, no. yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, tell us, 
go ahead, Lou. Sorry. I'm sure you have some amazing stories. I have to ask about this. One of the things I, I love about golf is you get really close to the fans. You're either at the ropes, inside the ropes, depending on where the ball is. Um, I was talking with someone who had some great stories from behind the ropes of interacting with fans. Have you, do you have any experiences, you know, that, that may be funny or something crazy that happened where you're outside the ropes, the fans are around you, they say something interacting with you and or the player, or have you seen anything crazy along those lines? Uh, I can bring up one story, Colonial Country Club, which Greg knows well, uh, the 12th hole. Um, caddy sometimes for caddy a hole. Um, I didn't do it a whole lot when I worked with Greg uh, for whatever reason. I just always wanted to be around. Some guys want you on the tee. Some guys could care less. But I decided to for caddy a hole. So I just gave my player at the time um, a driver. His name was John Rollins. And I walked up the 12th hole along the left side. And I was probably 100, 130 yards off the tee. And there's one guy standing up left of the ropes and John Rollins was a cutter of the golf ball, a fader, always left to right. And when he pulled tee shots, they were dangerous. They were left quick. And he hit this tee shot. This isn't funny. It's just kind of like a weird story, I guess. But it, it, a guy was taking, he was having a, a late afternoon cocktail. He's taking a drink. And I'm yelling four at the top of my lungs. And it hits him right in the head. And it knocks oh. him down. And he spits his drink out, but I thought it was his teeth because oh, it hit him right on the fly. And I'm screaming uh, to him, stay down. He's trying to get up. It looked like the ending of the movie Platoon when William Defoe was getting shot. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, this guy is going to die right in front of us. I get up to him, and the guy, luckily, he had had a few afternoon cocktails, and he was fine. But right. all he said was, what happened? <laughs> you got hit in the head with a golf ball uh, so from that moment i always told myself maybe i'll just stay back by the tee because it was yeah. a little too graphic to be that close <laughs> in that situation you, you so, say yeah. he was fine he probably woke up the next day and his jaw was broken and he probably wasn't yeah. fine <laughs> it was unbelievable and unfortunately that is part of the game it can be dangerous but uh fans they they've obviously gotten a little more rambunctious we actually had a story um or a time that greg and i went off early with ian poulter that was an inside the rope thing and maybe uh oh where uh, ian, <laughs> should, should ian, we not talk about that yeah <laughs> you can't know um basically what happened was we hit off and we were the first people on pj to alive on saturday and yeah. ian walked off the first tee and let one off the chain um that was audible and loud so basically yes. farted um and <laughs> everyone blamed me they uh, Craig, yeah. my twitter was lit up when i got done and in true polter fashion he got contacted by tmz and did an interview uh in his ferrari uh live feed on on about an interview about farting basically yeah <laughs> That, that was awesome Pops. that Greg got blamed. I know that he was, it, it wasn't, it was so funny that the fact that Ian did it and then Greg got blamed. That was the best part of it for me. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because Greg yeah. would never that, do anything like that's that. That's the standard rules of letting off in public, though. Well, isn't it? I yeah, think you, you, just, me my son. you point to the person next to you, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got well, everyone it. knew that was the rule. You must, that's the rule. You're from Australia. You uh, <laughs> knew the rule. Know that's the rule. <laughs> you want to be a victim of the rule, Mark. That's all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey, um, uh, so, go on greg go on. no i was gonna ask heath about the the caddy tell us about the 
uh, Caddies Association. You guys, are, you're you're on the board. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us what you what benefits and like what you guys sponsors and what you guys get when you become a caddy and blah blah blah. Like, tell us about that. Absolutely. Our our we started a caddy association. There's actually a couple, but the newest rendition was started six eight years ago, maybe ten years ago. Uh, we roughly have 150 members. Uh, one of our main sponsors is Jana King. Um, they're a janitorial uh, services company based out of Dallas, Texas. And then uh, we also have uh, Theragun as another sponsor of ours. And we have some smaller deals throughout the that we have throughout the existence of um, the, the APTC. Uh, but basically, uh, our association just kind of banded together so we could all have one voice because there's times that things need to be negotiated with the PGA Tour. Yeah. Um, but we also have our own um, healthcare now we started that uh, we have about 100 members who participate in their health care so we banded together and started that went out and got our own um, and we also have a retirement plan we also have uh, short-term disability insurance so as greg alluded to earlier in the conversation about how the game has changed and the money has changed and the quality of caddy has come along those are some of the things that we've been able to do as a group to actually kind of legitimize this profession. Still got you know, the hat deal? Yeah, we Val, still got the uh, Valspar. That though the Valspar now see that's with the PGA tour. That's uh, okay. right. From, uh, right. Right. And also uh, the tour does help us out with a few other things, but yes. Right. Um, we do have our own stuff. This is the Caddies United logo and we actually have an APTC logo, but we try to really focus on the Caddy United logo. Um, so our website will be up and running at the first of the year. It's called theaptc.com. So give us a check. Yeah, um, it's, cool. it's very similar to the uh, European tour caddies have their own website up as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, there's a, will be a list of our sponsors and everything that we're involved with. And we actually do some charitable giving. Um, we think that that part of it is very important. Um, COVID kind of put a damper on things because we all couldn't get together. We like to have our own caddy tournament. We used to pick, a player or something to give money to and we're yeah. we got to do it with greg one year and that was a really exciting thing i happened to be working for greg at the time that wasn't why he got it our president scott sajanik is from australia i think he's from the same hometown as greg i'm not yeah, sure correct. yep so correct. uh greg has a great foundation that he started and uh we just thought hey um we all love greg and we wanted to be a part help donate and help him so uh, we're, we're looking forward to getting that started again so once yeah, we can yeah, all get absolutely. together, I know things are kind of lax and um, loosening up a little bit with COVID. But once those changes, we have plans to restart our uh, our giving to chari- our charitable giving. That was so cool, guys. I just that was uh, AT&T gave, give some of the money to the caddies to designate who they want to give it to. And they gave my charity, uh, which is called Maximum Chances that benefit uh, children on the spectrum because my son's uh, gone the spectrum here in Dallas. And they gave us twenty five thousand dollars. Right. Which, and the thing, the thing that I thought was really cool about that was normally the people who get that is it's kind of, you know, the people that move the needle, it's almost a popularity rather than the goodness of the charity in a sense. Mm -hmm. Not that there's not a lot, there's a lot of great charities, you know what I mean? But it was just cool that, you know, they, they chose us and it really meant the world to us because, you know, we're a smaller functional thing, but yeah, they're doing a lot of good things, the caddies. And uh, I just want to give Heath a chance to talk about that a little bit because I know they. Yeah. You definitely don't get to hear that side of it at all. Do you? No, fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, 
couple of questions which are kind of linked here, Heath, and they you might not have an answer for them because you, you you might be just so neutral with your job that they're not that you know they don't they never play out. But what what's one of the biggest mistakes you've made? So you know, as an uh, as a watcher, like wrong club, saying a ring, wrong thing at the wrong time, something that's moved the needle where you thought probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, he's done but all at those. the same time. What's yeah? What's <laughs> the biggest save that you made? Because when if you if you if you're making big enough mistakes, you've also obviously got the opportunity to make the big enough saves. As in, don't hit it over there. Don't hit that club. Um, maybe don't hit that spectator. Those kind of things. <laughs> <laughs> What, what are some of the biggest, what's the biggest mistake, biggest saves that you've made as a caddy? Sure. The biggest mistake, um, and this is, I think, a fireable offense for sure, <laughs> is um, letting your player hit the wrong ball. Um, okay. That, yeah, that's probably yeah, one. Because obviously go. a player, most PGA Tour players don't have eyes and are not allowed to go down and look if it's their ball at all, I guess. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> We found that well, responsibility. They, they just walk along with their head in the silver lining cloud. Going, Send me to my ball, caddy. Right. Well, that that's one of those where I'm honestly willing to shoulder 50% of the blame on that. I mean, on your yeah, best okay. day as a caddy, it's 10% your fault, right? So yeah. um, when you hit the wrong ball, that is that happened to me my first year in Westchester at Westchester Country Club with Skip Kendall. I was brand new. Uh, I think that tournament was right around in June. And I happened to be out with my college roommate who was caddying for another player, Jimmy Johnston. And uh, Jimmy hit our ball and then we hit his ball. Oh boy. And, oh, at wow. the, and the penalty remains the same. Um, it's a two shot penalty and you must go back and replay the shot. So yeah. Skip, how actually many shots did they play a, with it? Yes. Yeah, it's two shots every a, shot you play, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that cost Skip. He he hit it about an inch from the hole, so we went from making oh. a three to making a six. Oh, but the silver lining was, uh, he didn't say a word to me besides like, what what are the numbers until we got to the fifteenth hole and he birdied 15, 16, 17, 18 and made the cut on the number. Oh. And if you would ask him to this day, he would say that mistake turned around his entire career because he had been up and down off the tour. A lot, and we went on. We actually top ten that week. Oh, okay, cool. believe it or not, and then it turned into a, you know, a, just a, a long career after that. I, I caddied eight more seasons for Skip, wow. so that's my worst story of you know, not paying attention. I don't know if it was because I wasn't paying. To this day, though, I swear the marshals threw balls around or something because it was so right. obvious where our ball was. So. Um, over the last 20 something years, I've always, I go down and look at the ball or I, I know Greg, I used to say, okay, that's our ball. Right. Before yeah, we right. do anything here, because what <laughs> Learn from your mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And knock on wood. I've never been late. Uh, I've never no showed a player, which is being late. No showing is basically the same thing, but yeah, my yeah. worst story is letting my player hit the wrong ball. So that was uh, okay. that was a, that was a hard lesson right there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. Any sa- big saves? saves? You know, it saves uh, just this past year. I was working for Vaughn Taylor up at, uh, in Hartford, and for whatever reason, he decided to carry a yardage book. And uh, we were going back and forth on, we we're actually on number three. And I give him the numbers, 140 and 15, 155. And he says, that, that can't be, that makes the pen. Or I said it was 140 and 25. 165 and he goes no way that means that the pin is on the back fringe and i did the numbers again i'm thinking man i'm wrong i can't believe i'm giving this guy a wrong number i normally don't do this and i happened to look over at his yardage book and he was on number two which yeah, and we were on number three we were playing number yeah. three but his yardage book was on number two yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that's when i that's when i said hey why don't you let the professional caddy handle the yardage book. Just book about playing. So from then on, he didn't, he didn't pull his yardage book out the rest of the day. Did he know? So, I don't know if that's a save, but there's, it's there's a good enough other, save. Right. Well, there's other instances when you might stick with a read because you can get kind of bullied. If you're in reading putts and you know, you, they ask you what you think a player can kind of bully you or kind of, I don't know, filibuster you into like saying, ah, okay, I kind of see what you like. But some of my better ones have now. I'm sticking with this read. I've been out here. I've read. I've rolled balls here. I've been here before. So there's instances like that, or getting the wind right. That's the really. That's the art of caddying. Like at the highest level, is really understanding the wind and knowing how to stick with the prevailing wind and not give up on that. Um, a lot of players and knowing if there's a forecasted wind change during the time that you're out there playing. Um, I think that's okay. what the real value caddies can bring to some guys. So there's been a few saves with the wind. Yeah, I like that. The what beam... is... Go ahead, Luke. Sorry. No, go ahead, Greg. Go ahead. No, I was just sort of wondering if uh, there have been any times when you, you're sort of uh, – you're thinking about leaving a guy. Because I was uh, – Heath, I was uh, – you know – when I employed Heath, I decided that day. Like, do you, I guess my my question is, do you ever see the writing on the wall, Heath? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that happens. And uh, I'm a family guy. I have two kids. And you, you kind of put your family's well-being and you're willing to kind of not torture yourself, let's call it, but maybe prolong a bad situation until something else comes along. So you work behind the scenes to try to work something out. And players do as well. We all know what's going on. And at the end of the day, everybody wants to maximize their earning opportunities. So unfortunately, I've had to do that. I had to go to a player and who was very happy with me. And I must have, you know, I, I try to do a job where I, they should know what's going on in my personal life or anything. So I was doing my job. But um, I've had to do that a few times. And it's, it's not fun. I mean, it's a really tough conversation. I had to do it with Brian Bateman, a really nice man and a player who was sort of struggling at the time when I first came back, when I had the opportunity with John Rollins. And that, that was the first time I had to fire a player. You know? <laughs> and, and you, you kind of get worked up about it because you don't want to look like somebody who's willing to abandon ship when things yeah. aren't going that well. You know, you, you can get a reputation as somebody who kind of jumps around, but that's just an inevitable part of the game. It, uh, do the caddies have like a, an unwritten, like a network? Because I know I fired a player once at Colonial. This was years ago. I fired, uh, sorry, I fired a caddy okay. at yeah. Yeah, 2.30 on a Friday. And I had my first phone call from another caddy looking to work for me within probably by five o'clock, two and a half hours. And mm-hmm. I was just, I, I thought this is incredible how quickly this word has traveled. It was just me and him. No one heard us chatting. And I'm like, how, do, yeah. how did this happen? Like, these guys all know what's going on. 
Yeah. Well, it, it's like I said before, it's like a high school with no walls. I mean, rumors yeah. get going quick and uh, uh, news travels fast. Uh, I think, guys, you know, it might have been is, is somebody just sat there afterward and was venting and said something to somebody else. And before you know, it spreads like wildfire. So, right. yeah, that's 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 part of the game as well. You know, and some guys are good at having that information and having those agents numbers in their phone so they can instantly take advantage. So could, could it could have also been Poulter on that TMZ interview telling everybody yeah. what's going on. Thank you. Lou. <laughs> <laughs> So Heath, um, I'm sure you're a fan of golf. Like you're not, you, you don't just work in, in professional golf, but you're a fan of it. Have you ever um, been a part of a round where, you know, not your guy, but the other guy, and, and maybe it's Tiger or somebody along those lines who's really on a run. And, and did you ever get distracted kind of, I know you're taking care of your player and that's job one, but did you ever get to witness a really cool round of golf by someone else? And you, you pay, maybe paid more attention than you otherwise would have. Um, yes. I think, especially when you're new to caddying, you can get overwhelmed like that. Yeah. But, but the, the cool part about playing and caddying is it's really just short bursts of concentration. Cause if you guys, you know, I know like a round of golf, let's just be honest, on a Thursday or Friday, it's threesome. It's going to be five hours, especially if the greens are really fast or if the pins are tucked or if we get any type of, you know, wind, it just slows down. And there's, I don't know anybody who can concentrate for five hours straight. So for the most part, you kind of go into these little modes where it's about 30 or 40 second bursts of your focus and the player's focus. And then it's over with, there's a little bit of evaluation and then you're kind of off just observing everything else. So to say you get distracted, I would say no, but to say paying attention to what's going on around you, sure, you recognize that. And you also try to make sure that you do everything you can. And Greg has probably done this as well, especially if it's a Sunday and somebody gets something going really good or making a move up the leaderboard. It's not like you help them, but you don't, you do everything you can not to distract or take away from that either. Stay out of the way. Yes. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's more, it's a, it's actually, you know, we, good sportsmanship, right? You just, yeah. Hey, maybe, maybe our day isn't going that great, but we're sure not going to get in this guy's way too. Right. So um, there's a lot of that, but I would say I've never really been like overwhelmed or, or said, Oh my gosh, now I'm not doing the job for my player. I would say that I, I, I haven't done that. Because if you do that too often, you're not going to be out there for very long. Yeah. What's the What's the best round you've ever seen? Either your player or somebody group you were in. Yeah, I've seen. I remember when I first worked for John Rollins, we shot 62 at Reno, a tournament that Greg won, um, on that golf course on a pretty tricky day. That's the one of the better rounds I've been involved with. I actually a friend of Greg's Conrad Schindler. I worked for him one time up here in Springfield, Missouri. They have a corn ferry event here, uh, the Price Cutter uh, Classic, and he was. We shot nine under par on a Thursday. So cool. when you get when you get beyond seven, eight, it, it's it's really cool. You just I just wish those were the days when we had a rain delay and we could play thirty six holes because these guys are definitely yeah, on, on fire. fire. You, just, <laughs> yeah. you don't want the you don't want the you don't want to let them go home and have a sleep. Let's just keep going. You know, we found it. Right now. <laughs> yeah. So, and that, that's the hardest part about golf is you got to go home and come back the next day and do it all over again. So um, some of those low rounds, they sure are fun to be around. Um, but it, at the end of the day, you know, it's, you have to play four of them. So do you, you, do you feel four. like, Hey, do you feel like caddies can, I've always said a caddy is only good as, you know, the horse he's riding. 
Do you feel like caddies can mess up and affect a player negatively more than they can affect positively? You know, I do think, I do think a lot, I think as a caddy, you can scare a player, right. uh, especially if that player hasn't been to the course as many times as you. Right. Um, so I think you have to be really guarded. And that goes back to the conversation that you should probably have with the player first is what exactly do you want from me? Um, yeah. I'll tell a quick story about like, as far as like decision makings and thing, one time I was working with Greg at uh, Sea Island and we were playing a par four and it was the last tournament of the year. And I let him hit driver. And I knew I told myself I wasn't going to let him. And we ended up hitting it out of bounds. And then we ended up hitting it in the water and we made a huge number. Do you what remember that? that? Okay. So that was number 13 on the plantation. Oh yeah. Board. I hit it right. What do we drive it there for? That was <laughs> <Yeah>. so bad. <laughs> yeah. and, so bad. And, it was, it, and I knew it actually ruined my off season. I actually called Greg and apologized. I'm like, man, I don't know what I was thinking. What were we thinking it was there? such a, at the end of the day, it's his call, but. Um, those things like will haunt you, you know, yeah. if you're yeah, kinda, yeah. cause it was like, he was actually playing really well. And yeah, all I of was. a sudden we make one little, you know, one, like he, he kind of pulled the driver out kind of confident. And I kind of read him like, okay, this is what he wants to do. And then bang, it goes out of bounds. And then we hit another one in the water and it, it was pointless. I don't know what it was. Like, it was, it's yeah. this hole. It just necks in and it's out yeah. of bounds, right? Water left. You hit it two thirty and then hit it 200. That's what you do. That's yeah, exactly right. what you should. No, no, we're going to drive it down a road. I'm going to hit yeah. it out of bounds, and then I'm going to hit the next one. I'm not going to lay up. I'm going to lay up in the water instead. It's a great yeah. plan. It's a great plan. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that was one that I'm like, oh man, this guy's going to kill me. So uh, that, well, that's what that, happens that when it. you're swelled up with confidence from that yeah. Nike equipment, <laughs> right? right yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, but, but it goes. It goes back to the situation: is can you scare someone, or do you let them go? You know, Greg was playing great. He was driving it great. Do I let him go? Who knows what that turns into? Maybe if he hits that fairway, it bleeds into the weekend. I mean, you just never know. Right. So, but, yeah. but that's, that's the important of like game planning and be on the same page. And also the player having enough respect for a caddy to say, Hey, we didn't talk about hitting driver here. Remember? Right. You know, and that, yeah, that's and a went, preparation mistake. Yeah, right. that's definitely a preparation mistake. We probably missed that yeah. in the practice round. I should have had a little chat about, hey, I'm yeah. definitely going to drive it here straight out of bounds. Is that a good plan? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Did you, it, it can go both ways, though. Yes, yeah. I think you can definitely, definitely scare a player if you want to. Right. For yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, what's been the biggest highlight? What's been your biggest highlight so far in your caddying career? You know, I think a lot of it is the longevity and being around the game for as long and getting to go to, like, for instance, in 2000, I actually worked the match play that was down in uh, Melbourne. I got to go to Australia and do that. Great. Uh, yeah. I, I won with John Rollins uh, my second week out with him. Um, I finished, lost, unfortunately, lost in three playoffs with Skip Kendall. So been up near the top, um, uh, had opportunities to win. The, the biggest thrill is – and Greg can talk a lot to this as well, is when you get in contention and hopefully you're a person that's in contention. You know, if you play 30 times, hopefully you're in contention, meaning maybe within three shots of the lead with nine holes to play in the event, eight, nine, 10, 12 times maybe. But when, when you work and you're not in those positions and all of a sudden your biggest moments are just top 10 to maybe get into the next week or something like that, it, it really all depends. But I'd say my biggest highlight probably um winning with john rollins and uh finally getting there thinking after losing in playoffs with skip not that skip you know we just got beat it was just the way it, yeah, yeah. it worked out um but finally like tasting what that 
being able to drink a winning beer instead yeah, of yeah. A, a consolation beer. It, it yeah. does taste different uh, and it feels <laughs> different. Um, I, I just, that was probably the, the best feeling. And then going out there and telling yourself that that's what you're working for is to have those opportunities, you know, because they, they happen sooner. They come around. You don't really know when it's going to happen and you have to be prepared for that because guys have hot rounds a lot. And that's usually how guys win their first tournament is they're not leading from, you know, start to finish. They end up putting a hot round together on a Sunday. Yeah. And before you know it, they pop up, they end up in a playoff and they just kind of ride that momentum. So how much oh, has yeah. it changed over the years prepping for an event? You know, so now yardage books are, they have so much information and in then compared to what mm-hmm. they were when you started 25 years ago. So what's it not like? So prepping? Fast. They're not so fast. Yeah? They just changed all that. Yeah. So the, the PJ tour came out and changed all the, um, all the yardage books. You can't even use your old ones anymore. Now you can take some notes out, but there's very specific, the USGA came through and the tour sure. adapt, adopted all these new rules back a long time ago, the yardage books were, I would say pretty basic and a lot of information needed to be filled in by you. So there was a lot of off time. So your yeah. hourly wage got cut down pretty far back then okay. um, prior, but then I'd say the last five or six years, the yardage books are unbelievable. The amount of information. Right. And I think, um, even players that have played for a long time, some of these, the newer yardage books that we used in 21, 20 would even confuse some of those guys. Cause there literally is, you literally don't even need to go to the golf course. Dive mm. Well, be, and because they actually put color pictures of the tee shot lines, you could actually see the trees. You could see a water tower or a big power line. I mean, it was really kind of, Oh my gosh, this is what's going on. Um, the prep. Now I, I'm going to tell you guys, it's going to revert back. You're going to see caddies spending a lot more time on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays um, because they've outlawed greens books. Um, so the old rolling balls and they've outlawed you even using a digital level on the greens, even a yeah, bubble yeah. level. Right. So yep. um, the art of reading greens or art of figuring out fault lines is going to come back. So maybe there's hope for us old school caddies that have been around pre all these really good books. Uh, right. who, who know how to go out and do the work. So, right. yeah. yeah, I would yeah, say there's, there's quite a bit of prep work going to happen going forward. Right. So there's going to be a lot more of those unpaid hours as such for you guys having to go out and almost, I, I mean, I don't know if they're unpaid, but you know what I mean? <laughs> a lot more of you having to find out where the little subtle differences are in certain places, I guess. The yardage books haven't changed. It's the green reading books have changed, isn't they? But are the yardage books changed or not? As well, in, have well, you still got the pictures now of the line and stuff like that? Or is that gone? Well, it just depends which book you bought. So, okay. but, but for basically the way that there's a certain amount of slope that was out, outlined in the books themselves with arrows. That all has to be redone. So your book would be considered illegal if you used a 21 book. In the, when in you the say 20, slope, 20, you mean hitting into an uphill slope on an approach? Or on a green, slope, or are you talking on, on the green, green only? Yes, on, on the green. green yeah. Yeah, the yeah. slope up and down can be known. Like a shot yes. is plus that's three or four so, yeah. yards or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's not the issue. Yeah, um, but the stuff the on the green is... Like we're going back to day dot, aren't we? You've got to either know it or you're going to have to rewrite down all your notes by getting that information manually. You're not allowed to use, I think you're not allowed to use night- technology, Lou. Right. No technology. 
<laughs> no technology. It'll be interesting to see how they police the notes in in people's books. I mean, yeah. How do you know they're like, going to get a house? What do you? What's your opinion on that? How are they going to manage that? Well, I never thought I would see it in professional baseball when the pitchers come off the mound and then the umpire search them after each inning. I never thought I would see that. But um, who knows? Maybe if somebody gets a hot round or if there's something going on, maybe they could say, hey, this guy's making every putt. Maybe he's got an, I don't know. I hope it doesn't lead to that. Um, at the end of the day, golf is about execution. I don't care if you have perfect information, you still have to make it. And what's yeah, more embarrassing than anything is knowing exactly what it does and you still can't make yourself do it. So yeah. golf will always be a game of execution, regardless of how perfect the information you get. So I'm not a huge fan of it, but it is what it is. And we got to go forward. So those are the cards that we were dealt. So let's play them. Yeah. Yeah. But so, so could it potentially slow things down? Boy, that's a good question. Everybody thought it was the other way, right, Craig? With all the aim yeah. point, well, it depends and what side of the fence you sit on with that one. But yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. just listening to you speak there, I just did. Mm-hmm. My brain thinks from what you're saying, well, could that possibly make things slow down? Because players aren't going to not want to know the read; they're going to take longer to find right. the read, possibly. Yeah. That's a good question. I think we'll have to wait for the evidence to come out to really, I would say, um, I don't know. I think it was, I think the game is a little too slow anyway, but um, I I don't know the lack of information slowing it down. Possibly. I don't really know. I guess we'll find out in this, this coming season or when golf starts in January. Yeah. Uh, was the agenda around pace of play? I'm not, um, Lou, do you know, was the agenda or Greg? The agenda of the change wasn't around pace of play. That was more no. of a subtle change or a subtle kind of thread more on social. People would relate green books to so, to speed of play. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't actually connected to that in any of their um, statements that the USGA released, was it? Or the PGA who were taking advice no. from the USGA? Not to my knowledge, no. 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 It was all about so it was more, skill. Yeah. Yeah. Green yeah, reading being a skill. About skill. Right. Yeah. 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 There you yeah, go. So. Um, I've got one last question. How are you, Lou? Have you got a question or should I fire the last no, juicy I'm, one I'm, away? I'm curious. So you mentioned uh, yeah. earlier on in the conversation, the caddy tournament. So how many caddies out there are very elite players, you know, really good players and, and not just, uh, you know, a, a weekend hack like me? I think you'd be surprised. Um, there are some elite players. I mean, some guys that have gone really far in U.S. amateurs that played at, you know, world-renowned schools. I could I could start naming names or, you know, or guys that have played the tour themselves. I mean, the guy that works for Sam Burns right now, Travis Perkins, he had his tour card. Wow. You know, he, he played on tour. I mean, Damon Green, he caddied forever for Zach Johnson. He played tons of mini tours he played some champions tour events i mean there's a lot of guys that honestly were college teammates of some of the best players that are out there right now and we're just that little break away i mean the difference between um, a lot of these guys being having a tour card is just the situation or just one little moment you know when something pushes them over the top so um we have we used to have caddy tournaments and uh one time we uh when the PJ tour was moving the, 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 um, Byron Nelson tournament to Trinity forest. The people that own Trinity forest invited us, the caddies to come out and have a caddy tournament there. And Mark Urbanic, I think won the tournament. I think he shot 67 and it was cool. So it was, 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Who was caddying for him? Oh, uh, well, he had a golf cart and it, it was a 12 pack of beer. <laughs> doesn't, right? doesn't trust the caddy. That beer golf helps, you know, it yeah. kind of calms the nerves. So, remember, remember yeah. a few years ago, remember a few years ago, Heath was at San Antonio where Lance Tambrook caddied for Jesper Panovic in the morning and then played in the afternoon in the tournament. And tied really, him. Yeah. 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 Tied him. Yeah. 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 Kind of See, I would week. never do that with you, Greg. I wouldn't want to hurt your confidence. I would no, take thank it. You. So you, no. Appreciate that, mate. No, <laughs> no, that is a true story. There's that's another great name, Lance Tenbrook. I mean, had his tour card. I mean, he's he still gets a card, right? Because yeah, I think still, he won yeah. or, or he's had enough cuts, you know, lifetime cuts or 150 yeah. cuts. So yeah, the tour now is full of guys that can a lot of the guys that can play, I would say. If we had to ha- do like the average handicap, I'd probably say 15, 18. I mean, now there are some guys that are terrible. Do you remember um, the guy that caddy? I think his name was Pete Coleman. He used to work for Bernhard, Grant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember forget. that name. I remember yeah. Pete remember Coleman. Pete? Yeah. Um, now, maybe he was a good golfer way before I met him, but uh, every year at the Players' Championship, the caddies get to hit a shot on 17th, the Island Green. And it's, it's pretty nerve wracking. I mean, you can lie awake at night, just trying not to embarrass yourself. Well, there's an Island green, but then there's also another Island in between right with a tree and two years in a row, we are out in a practice round with Bernhard (laughs) Pete and Pete hit the wrong Island. Right. The perfect shank. Right. So Uh, for me, I'm like, that is probably the hardest green in the world to hit, especially hitting it off the hosel like that. So he did it two years in a row. What's your ratio there? Uh, so how many chances have you had during that? And how many times have you hit the green? You know, I've, I think I've done that tournament now 17, 18 times. And I think I've missed the green twice. Now nice. I always hit yeah. the shot solid, right? It's usually a little thin. I make sure I tee it up a little bit higher because the last thing you want to do is just you know, ground ball right in front. So um, <laughs> I've only missed a couple times. So Very it's that good. awesome Pretty preparation, good. carrying a 30, 40 pound golf bag for 16 holes and then walking across yeah. there and expecting to hit a good shot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that should be the rule that you have to play at least the back nine to do it. <laughs> right. Right. Now guys yeah, are walking yeah. out there. I don't like that. That should be an asterisk if they happen to win. Oh, they so. just walk on out there to hit that tee well, shot and that's it. He, well, sometimes these players need a day off, you know, or they want, uh, you know, they won't just want to play the front or maybe they're right. just being mean, Greg, you're the player, you would know the game <laughs> yes. you guys play. So, I try to be mean. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. fun. Well, I, two, uh, you got two on the, oh, that should be a new game, shouldn't it? Trying to get it on the island with the tree. It's actually a more skilled game. Yeah. If you can hit a hobble rocket on that island two years in a row, you've got mad skills. <laughs> Lou, I, I reckon you could take that one on, Lou. Yeah, I really I'll do. I'll take it on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Please. So I've got a final question for you then, Heath. It's the big hot topic that me and uh, Lou have been wondering. And obviously it's about Greg. You caddy for Greg for how long? Let's see, Greg. Uh, we had a little interruption um, because unfortunately Greg was injured. And yeah. But I, I would guess it's probably two and a half seasons. I don't know, third, yeah. probably 40, 40 yeah. events, Greg. Yeah. Um, okay. So what was it like caddying for Greg is the overall question. But the first sub question to that is, and you might not be able to answer this one. We all know Greg is a genuine guy. He's a lovely guy from what I've mm-hmm. met of him and what people say, but 
What was his most annoying quality? Oh, I'd like to hear this. Eh? Well, <laughs> what, what I, would I you say is his annoying. most annoying quality? And then the yeah. other bigger question is, what was it like caddying for him for that period of time? Well, I think we started out this talk with, you know, Greg has always treated me with respect. And I think we, we, we both gave each other that kind of ultimate respect. Um, I, he never really did anything annoyed me that annoyed me. I guess he was almost too nice because he always let me know if he was going to be late. He always let me know if the schedule was going to change in the past. You, you end up sitting around a lot. And I, and Greg took interest in knowing that, Hey, if, if my plans change, I don't need to torture my caddy just because I pay him um, to, to sit around. And also what was fun about Greg is um, he has great wit and a sense of humor. And he loved if you could heap it on him, you know, especially at the right moments. And uh, there was a time when I caddied for Greg, you guys know, I don't know if you know or not, but Greg putts with a certain type of putter. In fact, that putter he loves so much, he bought a bunch of grips. So he'll never have to like go without having the same putter and grip combination. True. But yeah, one year, that actually recently. we were in Rivi- at Riviera and Greg decided that he was going to change putters. And he went to this, should I name it the spider putter? Yeah, yeah. And when yeah, I was yeah. working for Greg, he wasn't dropping the bombs that he's doing now since he started his workout routine. <laughs> and we were always on this quest for distance. Greg was like, hey, I'm just not hitting it far enough. A place like Riviera, it's cold, it's damp. I'm, I'm hitting four irons into these greens, these guys, you know. So we're on this quest for distance, quest for distance. So Greg decides to change putters. Yeah. And Greg is one of the greatest putters that's ever played the game. Um, the numbers would bear that out statistically. So we play 18 holes and Greg, I think he three putted with that brand new spider putter three or four times. At least, and I think, yeah. I think Greg would three putt in a season. You couldn't, you could probably count it on one hand, how many times he would three putt in a season. So we get done. We're walking up the hill after we're done. And I go, Greg, we finally found a little bit of distance with one of our clubs. And he kind of looked at me and I said, yeah, that putter we got is really hot. You're knocking yeah. them 10 feet by all day, <laughs> and, all day. And he, he <laughs> laughed so hard. Yeah. He was mad at first. He gave me a look, but he knew that I was right. So he got a big laugh out of that. And that putter, I don't know where that putter is, but I it wasn't. It, didn't make it the next day. Yeah. One of my favorite yeah. things to do, and Heath knows this, is I pretend that I'm really mad. So if he's sitting That's... in the lunchroom, I walk in, I'm like Heath, I've been waiting 30 seconds. Come on. Yes. You know? <laughs> he liked you. Yeah. yeah. And even around yeah. the crowd, you know? Yeah. He would, yeah. He would give it to me a yeah. little bit. And then Which, I'll make up I'll make up ridiculous unattainable goals. Like I expect my towel to drip twice in an hour, two drips of water, the two drip towel. I need right. these yeah, just stupid, ridiculous goals. And then I'll rip him a new one. I'll fake yeah. rip him a new one if you can't get it right. It's good fun. Yeah. There's no reason we can't have fun out there. That's <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's right. So Heath, uh, did Greg actually fart a lot when he was out there? Yeah. Never. <laughs> yeah. Never. Greg is a gentleman. Depends who he was playing with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like roses anyway, Luke, so don't worry about it. It's... No, he left that all to me. I took yes. care of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Too true. Too That's true. right. Excellent. All, all well, I heard there was it's, it's an absolute bed of roses to work for Greg. That's all I heard. Yeah, I didn't hear any bad, yeah. quote, annoying qualities or anything. I was what, was, uh, what was your best finish together, the two of you? I don't so you know. 40, 40 events? To be fair 40. to Heath, I think we caught me, Heath, when I was 
I was dealing with my arthritis in my spine and I didn't have a lot of like, there's a good chance we could hit it out of bounds at any given moment. That was, yeah. uh, it really wasn't pretty golf. Uh, so we yeah, had a good finish in San Antonio. Remember that Saturday? Yep. You had eight, you had 18 putts on, on Saturday and yes. Jonathan Bird was like, that's when Jonathan pots. Bird was probably distracted because he couldn't believe somebody could have a round where he had 18 putts. Um, so we <laughs> had 18 a good putts there. for the round. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. Did you yeah. hit any old. greens in that round? I, I, might have, I think I hit one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, I They're think you missed two greens. I think you missed two greens that day. Yeah, we um, shot a few under. I know you put it in yeah. off the fringe twice, and those don't count. So. What about it was, what about Houston? Was it Houston where we get on seventeen the par three? That was Houston. Yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah. We get on seventeen, yeah. and I hit this thing. I hit a seven iron. It's one hundred and eighty yards or something. I hit a seven iron. It hits the grandstand behind the green, like it's twenty <laughs> yards over the back of the green. Bounces down to a foot yes. and a half, right off the grandstand. I look yeah. at him and said, "What the f was that, dude?" And he goes, "Yardage is right. You just hit it a lot." <laughs> yeah. <way."> yeah. <laughs> well, you remember we were playing with Pampling, and That's he right. came to my rescue. You know, yeah. he does meters. You've converted. Thank yeah. you for that over to yeah. yards. Yeah. And uh, it hit, I think you just caught one. I don't know. It must be a left-handier thing, but yeah. it uh, an inch higher and it, it takes somebody out, but it hit the railing and it came back short of the hole. And you go, is that the wrong club? I'm like, it can't be. It's short of the hole. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Kick it in. It's, it's a <laughs> results business. Great. Exactly. Yes, yes. exactly. Like yeah. But it. Pamp said, no, he got the right number. I remember yeah. him saying, and in fact, you can look that up. It, yeah. It's still out there in the, on, well, everything is probably still out there, but you can look that up on YouTube. Correct. There you go. Unbelievable. I can't believe it didn't go in, Greg. How did that not go in? Yeah, unlucky. That sounds (laughs) like an unlucky, (laughs) lucky ricochet to me. There we go. Heath Holt, life on tour. Could you do that, Lou? I know I I think I couldn't be a caddy that easily. I'm I'm not that good at keeping my mouth shut. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know that part. Uh, I caddied when I was a kid. It's obviously nowhere near, you know, caddying professionally. And I always enjoyed it. It would be fun to try it once. I, I think uh, players would uh, probably tire of me pretty quickly. I don't think I'd last out there, but it would be fun mm-hmm. to give it a shot one time around. Just so one Greg, last question, when, actually. Yeah. When, when you're dusting when, off and ready to go play an event, um, I'm, I'm your guy. I, I don't know if free. I can afford you, Lou. Work for free. Yeah. <laughs> Just one Work quick question for oh. you. One quick question for you, Greg. Did you have to make the transition to having a caddy? So I remember when I played as an amateur, you would have people offered a caddy for you. And I actually didn't like it. I didn't like having, I wanted to be out there on my own. You know, I, I remember having caddy on certain situations and I'm like six over with like four to go and i know the cut's going to be like two over or one under or so i'm not making the cut and my caddy's going come on we can make it and i just have to politely like go i I literally want to just turn to them and swear like i can't bleeping bleeping make this just shut up like i struggled to have caddies i never really liked it did you just it was always good to have a caddy or as you because you obviously you transitioned from amateur golf to pro golf Mm. where you wouldn't play pro golf without a caddy. Did you have to learn to have a caddy? I mean, you're much, you're um, more easygoing than me. I reckon you probably could have just, you just like the company. I don't know. No, I think you'll find, it sounds like you had a bad caddy. Um, I think that's yeah, well, it, yeah, 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 yeah. But as an amateur, <laughs> they're not, they're none of them are good, are they? Right. They're, just, they're yeah. someone who's you carrying fig- the bag. You figure out pretty quick, um, you know, what works and what doesn't. But yeah, it's it's actually, it, when you're first turning pro, I think it's it's it can be a little daunting because you have to do it. You, 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 the two of us yeah. says you have to have a caddy. 
Um, oh, does and- it? I didn't know that. So you couldn't go out and carry your own bag. You're just not allowed to. No, PJ mm-hmm. Tour, you have to have a caddy, right, Heath? Yeah. That is and correct. Corn ferry to it. Yep. Yeah. Did uh, you know that, Lou? Uh, I did not know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's you amazing, know, I don't know if you guys it? remember, but the LPGA Tour suspended that. They let them. They did. Yeah. Remember that? So yeah. I always thought it'd be a bad idea because then who's the player going to blame? They can't blame themselves for all no. the poor play and poor decisions. <laughs> Get the wind wrong, right? So, blame, blame the tour no, for allowing the rule. Every blessing has a curse, right? Every Yeah, silver linings. And it's not my fault, mate. I'm the yeah. player. there we go well that was fun i enjoyed that thanks for your time heath really fun to chat to you and some great stories i'm i'm still a bit upset there was no annoying qualities but we'll find one one day i'm sure Um, thanks for listening everybody as always uh leave those stars down below leave comments let us know how we're getting on that was a fun episode and we'll look forward to seeing you in the next podcast